This is a special presentation of Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for December 24, 2015. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Merry Christmas. This is truly the most holy of nights, the most remarkable time um, when we remember when history was defined, really. You know, the Bible tells us that it was in the fullness of time that God sent his son into the world to save the world. And in many ways, that's true. But in many ways, we take it so much for granted. Even the years that we number our years by are after him. Now, there's a move afoot to change that to CE, meaning common era. But I wonder if it's occurred to them that the only thing we have in common in that is Jesus' birth. Um, It could get a little confusing. But, you know, Annos Domini means in the year of our Lord. And so in the world, this young child is born into a poor family in the backwoods of a small, insignificant country. And everybody knows who he is. The whole world knows who he is. They may not know exactly who he is, but they've certainly heard the name. It's the night of a tale of two kings, if you will. You've heard of a tale of two cities. That was Charles Dickens. But this is about two kings. One is Caesar, the the first emperor that Rome had ever known. And the first emperor to ever unite the Western world at the time. You know, everyone was under Caesar's thumb, if you will. Caesar was um, the title that they gave him. His real name was was, um, um, Gaius. And his, you know, he was named after his uncle, who was Julius, who didn't get to be an emperor. But here he is in the midst of all this, Octavian, I mean. His uncle's name is Gaius. His name is Octavian. But he didn't go by that anymore. He only went by Augustus Caesar. Even the term Augustus is a, 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 is a reverential term. It means um, a, a great and powerful person. And he'd been in power for a long time by that time. And in fact, he was trying to solidify this control by having a census done throughout the world so that they would know who it is that is under Caesar's control. And so on the one hand, we have this, this great king who is more powerful than the world in that, in that part of the world had ever known. You couldn't even imagine. And you contrast that with another king that's born in a little town called Bethlehem that even today is barely more than a suburb of Jerusalem who couldn't find a place to stay, so he, he went into a, a cave, really. It was sort of a hollowed-out part in the rock, and where he was laid in a manger. That always sounds so quaint to us, doesn't it? He laid in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's a trough that the pigs and the cows and the goats eat in. Um, how many of you would put your newborn baby in that? Not many. And it says that they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Do you know what swaddling clothes are? Yeah, they're rags, but they're rags for a purpose if they're in the barn, aren't they? They clean up the mess that the animals leave behind. That king comes into the world not mighty, not by any measure that the world would see, and yet in some ways far more powerful. You know, he had the ability even to draw people from as far away as Persia. You know, to have shepherds who didn't have a lot of respect for much of anything, really, into town to find out if this could be true. You know, to see this little baby born in a manger. And so, two kings 
And even today, we are asked to choose between two kings. Which one will we serve? On the one hand, you have Caesar, who's dressed in fine robes of great purple and silk and you know, just glorious flowing things. Anything, the best that money could ever buy was what Caesar had. And then you have Jesus dressed in slop rags from cleaning up after the cows. Which king will you follow? You have a king that is so powerful that he can order the world to go and be registered. And not only to be registered, but to be registered in their hometown, which means they have to travel. You know, they can't just, you know, now most people live in their hometown, but if you didn't, you had to go all the way back there. You know, it's hard enough now when we do a census to get people to answer the door for the census. Much less travel somewhere else to go do it. But for Caesar, they did it because he was in charge. He had power, and his might was shown through his army, which was throughout the world. And people didn't dare cross him. Because if you disobeyed Caesar, the punishment was swift and it was severe. There was no doubt about it. We see it later with the same king born in Bethlehem. When he was asked if he was a king and he refused to deny it, what did they do? They crucify him for daring to place himself on the same level as Caesar. This Caesar has no forgiveness in him. He only has blind obedience in mind. And as long as you are blindly obedient, then he promises you great things. He promises you wealth, prosperity, more than the world had ever known. He promises you peace. You know, that was the big thing about Rome, was the Pax Romana. That's P-A-X, not P-O-X. But it was, a, it was a wonderful thing. There would be no more wars going on. Well, of course there weren't wars going on because if you tried to start one, they killed you. And so there was no forgiveness. There was only obedience. And contrast that to this other king who was born in this small town who when we disobey his laws, what does he offer? Forgiveness and love. And so we have to choose. Which king will we follow? Now, the one king promises you safety if you agree to follow him and do what he tells you to do. The king that lies in the manger doesn't say you'll always be safe, does he? He says that you will always have life and that you'll have it more abundantly. But he doesn't promise to pull you out of the world. He only promises to walk with you through it. As you experience the, the, the trauma of daring to defy the worldly king, he promises that he will never leave you alone and that you will be loved and have worth all of your life and that even if they kill you, he will raise you from the dead. And we have to choose because we still have those same two kings, not Caesar and Jesus, but we still have God and, and the, the rule of the world, don't we? You know, if you don't believe that, just tell the government next year you don't want to pay your taxes and see what happens. Or tell the policeman, you don't really care what the speed limit is. You'll go as fast as you want to. I mean, we still experience that. And we experience it in so many other ways now, don't we? Because we have all the social media out there. And there are all these people out there who are, who are constantly you know, deciding what the right way things should be. I've been um, ordained now for almost 30 years. And one of the things that astounds me is that there is somebody out there who is making a great living making up stuff about the way weddings should be. Did you all know that? And they change it all the time. About the time you think you got it nailed down, they come up with something else. Now, where is that written in the Bible? And yet, 
Do you know that the average price of a wedding today is $30,000? That's the average, by the way. It's not the, the top end of things or anything. That's the average. I told Johnny's welcome to elope. <laughs> On the other hand, you have the king that was born in the small town of Bethlehem who says, I tell you what, if you get married, I don't care if it's 